0: (laughs) Ha 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 ha! What's going on, guys? Welcome to Fear the Feathers, your uncensored Chicago Blackhawks podcast. I am your host, Kyle Martin, and you guys probably thought we were gone and off the air, didn't you? Nope, we're not going anywhere. Uh, The Fear the Feathers podcast is still around, as is the Kill Review. I just went on a little bit of a mini-vacation, and unfortunately forgot to pack my microphone so been kind of off the airwaves for a couple weeks it's been kind of nice to be honest um but anyway i just wanted to get back with you guys for back on schedule for per game reviews for the chicago blackhawks uh great game tonight between the toronto maple leafs and the chicago blackhawks two great teams uh my favorite two teams uh in the league. Um, and I'm just enjoying myself. I'm sitting here with a shamrock shake uh, from McDonald's in honor of St. Patrick's Day, as well as the horrendously horrific green Maple Leafs jerseys uh, tonight. And I must say that I am enjoying it quite well. Mm-hmm. Mm. So on that note, let's get straight into the game. There's a lot lots going on. Um, while I've been gone, and I'll kind of touch on that as well. But uh, the stat lines for tonight's game Blackhawks had 39 shots on goal to the Maple Leafs 26. Faceoff percentage was 31% for Chicago, 69% for the Maple Leafs, and I will be getting into that a little bit later in the podcast. Power plays there was only one, and the Maple Leafs had it and they did not convert. Hits were 39 to 25 in favor of the Maple Leafs block shots as it tends to seem, uh, with every game review that we do, we're pretty much even Blackhawks had the advantage 18 to 17 and the Blackhawks won the game in overtime on Ryan Hartman's 16th goal of the season from Artemi Panarin and Corey Crawford who picked up his first assist of the game, uh, and Corey Crawford didn't have quite his usual horrible game. He did he did give up his typical one horrible goal per game quota, so he met that. Uh, but he did finish with a .962 save percentage, which uh, is probably the best he's had in a month, maybe. Uh, don't quote me on that because I'm not, you know, positive. So, with that in mind... Let's talk about John Hayden, who was playing his second game tonight and picked up his first goal of the season. It was the game-tying goal. Had quite a good game tonight. He played, I believe, let's see here, 15 minutes and 29 seconds. Uh, It was a good good game for him. Um, He's been playing really well. I mean his total stat line you know he picked up the goal in the uh, game tying goal but he also had four shots on goal with seven hits now what i really want to do tonight is i, I, I honestly guys i'm not going to talk much about the game tonight um that for the most part was pretty boring to be honest um but i want to talk about Things on Twitter and basically tooting my own horn, if you will. So um, I've said since Artem went down with his injury a couple games ago that it would be wise to play Hayden with Kane and Panarin. And I have several reasons for doing that. One, Mick Schmaltz uh, plays better with Taves and Panik. And by better, I mean he gets Taves and Ponick going. Taves and Ponick desperately need that chemistry. Um, and I hope, you know, we're, we're doing the typical Joe Quenville uh, f- fuck chemistry line shuffle like he does every single season. Um, so that's not new, but it, it just it makes getting chemistry between the players hard. Um, so... Also, the reason I he's the reason I want to put Hayden. We don't know how Hayden will do as a centerman, and you know, a lot of people tonight have not just tonight, but in recent games, giving Nick Schmaltz a uh, shit. In fact, according to John Dietz, Troy Murray made quite, in my opinion, the asinine remark um, the other night when Anisimov did go down with the knee or ankle injury and uh he may I don't remember what the statistical line was for for uh, Schmaltz uh, when he moved back into the center position to fill in for Anisimov but Troy Murray says it has to be better it was it was pretty bad and it's like what do you expect Nick Schmaltz although maybe was a center in college has not really been playing center at the NHL level. He's an NHL rookie, and mid-game slides into that role. What the fuck do you expect him to do? And it's not like Art of was doing much better at the faceoff circle, which I'm going to get to in a minute. So, my point being, stay off Schmaltz, He's better served on the wing, which is what he was playing. Put Hayden with Kane and Panarin. Who are your two best players on the team in terms of offensive ability? There's no doubt it's Kane and Panarin. Who are the two smallest guys on the team? There's no doubt it's Kane and Panarin. So, one of your biggest guys on the team that had seven hits tonight... I don't think there's been a Blackhawk to have seven hits in quite a while in a single game. Is six? He's 6'3", over 200 pounds, and he had seven hits tonight. And he's naturally a centerman. I know he hasn't played, as uh, Brian Hedger pointed out, he hasn't played center pretty much all year. He b- basically played right wing at Yale this season. But, why not try it? What's one game? I mean you're as far as I'm concerned, you're playing with houses money. So you might as well see what you got and have it in police center. And it adds protection to Kane and Panarin. And it gives them room because you're adding a big center in the ice. Not another somewhat small guy in schmaltz. So that's my point. And I wanna point out that everything with my patting myself on the back, everything that I've said that I've been given shit for has turned out to be true. For example, one of the things I said was at the beginning of the season and including last year, even though this podcast wasn't in existence yet, was that Scott Darling was the better goalie over Corey Crawford. And people gave me and continue to give me shit, but what's funny is that over the past two months or so, People are starting to see how awful Crawford actually is, and are starting to ask themselves, well, what would it take to re-sign Darling? What would we get if we traded Crow? Would Crow waive his modified no-trade clause? Will Bowman trade him? Lots of of questions uh, coming up with that now. After I've been berating and begging for him to get traded and saying that Scott Darling's a better goalie for over a year. I also said Devin Dubnik was a good goalie and he who shall not be named laughed at me. If it wasn't for Devin Dubnik, I know Dubnik's tired and has been having from his workload having problems and the Minnesota Wild themselves are having problems. But the Minnesota Wild would not be in the position that they are right now, which is having a game in hand on Chicago and being five points back. of The Western Conference lead for points. The only person I can see winning MVP, in my opinion, over in my personal judgment, the only person who has been more valuable to their team, possibly than Devin Dubnik, is Connor McDavid period. There's nobody else, not Crosby, not Ovechkin, maybe Burns, but I don't even think I would say Burns because the San Jose Sharks are a loaded team, and so is Edmonton, but they're just full of guys, shoulda-beens, you know? I I can't see anybody other than, like I said, a Connor McDavid outlasting Devin Dubnik for the MVP. I don't see it. Um, and something else, uh, I want to bring up, some actual Twitter comments, both of these are going to result around, or revolve around, excuse me, uh, face-offs. So, he who should not be named, who, hilariously, I think since I schooled him on his, uh, Pearl Jam counter, has never responded to me, even though I keep tweeting at him, and I will. Could, I will keep tweeting at him. It's a good. It's good to see he finally changed his uh, his avatar on uh, Twitter to his actual picture, not the uh, Montreal Canadiens mascot, former Montreal Expos mascot. But someone tweeted at him that said face-offs are overrated, and he quoted them, and he said they absolutely are, but you've got to win more than that. And that's in reference to the second tweet uh, that I'm going to bring up. Excuse me, guys. I'm enjoying my shake. Um, That's in reference to the tweet that I'm going to get to in a minute. But this is a guy. And this is what I mean about. And when I say that you guys need to wad through the bullshit and read shit and think, you know, think for yourselves. It's not just a hockey skill with the Blackhawks. This is for everything. When we've got an oompa loompa in the White House, and I'm not saying I'm not a fan of Trump, I don't really give a shit, but when you've got a guy in the White House and then a guy, or people in the media going at it and saying different things and bitching and moaning and giving different facts, you have to be on your own to go through, read both sides, not just one, both sides, and then figure out what the facts are. Because I'm telling you right now, Donald Trump lies and so does the media and they make shit up to enhance their own story. That's what people do. And you need to be able to sniff through the bullshit, which is what you need to do when you're talking about these morons that are beat writers. And they're not all morons, but there's quite a few, two thirds of them are. Now, this one in particular says that makes the remark that face-offs are overrated. This is a guy that routinely brings up Corsi numbers. And for those of you that don't know what Corsi is, is basically a statistical analysis that the end, the point of it is basically to show that if you have, if your Corsi numbers are higher, you're more likely to win the game. And that's basically, it takes into account your shot attempts, your shot, the shot attempts against you, plus your like puck possession, basically. So for your Corsi numbers, Face-offs are pretty fucking important Because if you don't win the face-off Mr. He who shall not be named You have a fucking problem You know why? Because you're not in possession of the puck And if you're not in possession of the puck You don't have time to shoot the puck Do you? You stupid retard You, You fucking goon Mayor of Goon City (laughs) don't bring up Corsi and then in the next breath go, wow, you know, face-offs really are overrated. I mean, I do wish we would win a little more, but, and I don't know why I'm making this uh, Southern because he's, you know, he's from New York. But that said, you know, Jesus Christ, I mean, deductive reasoning, guys, common sense, Corsi, for Corsi, you have to have puck possession, right? You have to take shots, right? Or it negatively affects you if teams are taking shots against you and have the puck against you. So, do you want to win the faceoff? Uh, and for Corsi purposes, yes. When the puck, when the faceoff is in your defensive zone, do you want to win the faceoff? Yes. Why? You don't want the other team to have possession of the puck in your defensive zone. Fucking period. I, the stupidity that goes on, on social media. In fact, let's go further. Face-off specialists, at least like around the time that the Blackhawks won their first Stanley Cup, were of paramount importance. Paramount. People routinely traded for face-off specialists. And this is getting to my next point. Because I have said all fucking year long, and even last year, that the Blackhawks need a face-off specialist. While everybody else was fucking panicking about having a left-wing uh player to go with jonathan taves even though they have one named panic even though they're panicking about not having one which is ironic while everybody's panicking about that i've been sitting here going face-off specialist face-off specialist face-off specialist and what happened tonight well 31 percent and on top of that Here's the next tweet I want to get at. And this is from Scott Powers. And this is in no way a negative on Scott Powers. It's actually great because he gave a statistic. And here's what he said. Carroll and Schmaltzer are a combined 2 of 13 on faceoffs Tonight. 2 of 13. Does that sound to you guys like maybe they need a face-off specialist? It sure as fuck does to me. When you're second-line... Has only one, between your second and third line, or fourth line rather, has only one, two fucking face-offs, you're in trouble. So, again, I'm right on the fact that they need everything I've said, I'm right. Even though everybody shits on me. And again, or, and again, I don't care if people shit on me. I really don't. I don't give a fuck. I don't get paid, like some people do, to be beat reporters or to do their podcasts. I do this because I love the game, I know the game, and I want to teach you guys how to look at things. Blackhawks fans are just so fucking brainwashed by these beat reporters. They've been hammering and yammering about how awful TVR Trevor Van Riemsdyk is. He was the fucking Blackhawks best defenseman tonight, bar none, bar none. He was the best defenseman. He played the second least amount of minutes, but listen to his stat line. He had three shots on goal, most of any defenseman. He had one hit, tied for most among defensemen with Johnny Yadunya. He had the most blocked shots tied with Johnny Yadunya at five. Nicholas Jarmelson did not have a block shot tonight. For takeaways, he was second next to Brian Campbell with one. He had 48 seconds tonight on the penalty kill. And you guys are going to sit and say that Trevor Van Riemsnake is not a good defenseman? Are you fucking kidding me? One takeaway, five block shots, one hit, three shots in 17 minutes. 48 of which were shorthanded on the Blackhawks' one penalty kill almost a whole minute of their two minute penalty kill was he on the ice and people are gonna say he's not a good defenseman fuck off now that I've got that ran out of the way my point is I'm patting myself on the back because I'm sick and tired of the just stupidity it's not even stupidity it's like shitty reporting not one beat reporter, and I'm not on Twitter right now, so I don't know if one has done it since the game ended that I've looked at, but until the night and after tonight, in that, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes that it took me to go to McDonald's to get this wonderful shamrock shake that I'm just loving, Mm-mm. in honor of the Maple Leafs jerseys, not one single beat reporter has mentioned Joel Quenville is now three games away. Three victories away. From winning his 850th game. 850. And not a single beat reporter has talked about that. Furthermore, in with four victories... The Chicago Blackhawks, for the second time in their dynasty, will have won 50 games. They have not won 50 games since 2009. And everybody at the start of this year was, oh, this isn't a playoff team. They have no depth. Defense is still a problem. Jonathan Taves is awful. All of this shit, and here we are. They're the deepest team in the NHL. Nobody is as deep as Chicago. Not on a defense or not on forward. Nobody. Nobody compares to them with Stanley Cup experience. Nobody. Zero. I mean, the amount of rings that they have between the players on the team. You got Johnny Oduya with two. You got Michael Roosevelt with two. Brian Campbell with one. Nicholas Jarmelson with three. Seabrook and Keith with three. Hosa with three. Van Riemsdyk has a ring. Rasmussen has one. You've got Kruger with two. You've got uh, Kane and Taves clearly with three. I mean, Desjardins has one. It's hysterical the stupid shit that people say. The Blackhawks are the deepest team in the NHL, and they only need six more wins to tie the high in their dynasty, which again was in two thousand and nine at fifty-two wins. There's eleven games left in the season. I'm going to call this right now. The Blackhawks are going to set a team-high 52-plus wins this year in the Joel Quenville era. There's 11 games left. To set the record, they need to win seven of those 11, and I think they'll do that. So, you know, with that, I'm going to be with you guys tomorrow for the game against the Avalanche. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Big game tonight with the Hawks, a big victory. They picked up, again, another two points on the Minnesota Wild who lost. uh, They're five points up with Minnesota having a game in hand. So it is now a three-game advantage to the Blackhawks uh, over the Wild. So, you know, good things looking there. It's looking like the Hawks are probably going to win the division now. Um, barring a pretty bad, rough stretch of games. So, you know, everything's looking up for the playoffs, guys. And with the prospects, again, that we've talked about that are coming in, this train is not a stopping. And and we should all be praying that Artemi Panarin has a couple bad games to miss his bonuses, because if he does and the Blackhawks get rid of Kruger, and if they trade Crawford, which I don't think is that much of a stretch, I think it could possibly happen. Although, I doubt it. but I I doubt it, but it could possibly happen. If the Blackhawks lost Kruger in the draft, traded Crawford, the Blackhawks, with a $2 million salary cap increase, would have $17 million to spend to bring back A 39-year-old Campbell, or excuse me, 38-year-old Campbell, which wouldn't take much. A 36-year-old to do you, which wouldn't take much. I don't know if, they probably won't bring Kempney back. I'm getting that feeling. They can re-sign Retroponic, ink darling to a long-term deal, and they would still have money to spend. Think about that. That's why I've been screaming for Crawford to be traded. He's not necessary. And he's not... Darling is the better goalie, but, you know, let's not get into that. The point is, the dynasties are well and live. The Blackhawks have huge depth. The Bronkhead is coming. They've already... They signed Anthony Lewis, who I went to school with his cousin, and his cousin was an amazing player. I can give you that straight. Um, And... This kid in Lewis DeBroncket, the kids in DeBroncket, Lewis, Sakura, and Hayden, I don't know where they're gonna play him. And they've still got Hinnestroda and Mottin of Rockford. It's gonna be very interesting to see how it all shakes out. But with that in mind, guys, uh, if you can, I'm gonna sign off here. So if you guys go over to iTunes, search for the killer review. That's we're under the killer review for our Free the Feathers podcast search The Killer view. click on the channel, give us five stars. Giving us those five stars gets our channel more notoriety and more recognized on iTunes. And then if you have any suggestions or comments for the podcast, give us a comment. Tell us what you would like uh, to see improved and what you do like about the show. And uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at mcbrook148 and until tomorrow guys uh, i'll talk to you then and have a good night